dear lord thank you for your word thank you for the opportunity we get every week to gather and to celebrate your word to celebrate your truth to celebrate your wisdom thank you for all we've learned so far this year all we've learned so far through the book of first timothy and i thank you for all we are set to learn today i pray that even as we study your word and apply our hearts to your word i pray that the truth of your word rings out in our hearts i pray that there's no confusion i pray that we are able to see you revealed and to apply that revelation to our lives in jesus name amen 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 good morning again good afternoon evening whatever time you're listening to this and welcome as always to journey through the epistles of epistles whichever one <laughs> uh, today we're continuing from right where we stopped last week we're in first timothy journey through first timothy and we're about to enter chapter three last week we had uh, a lengthy conversation actually on the 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 role of women in the church how can we think about that question if someone asks you uh does your church allow women preach and you say yes can you defend it biblically if you say no can you defend it biblically and we 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 talked about a lot of things if you haven't listened to that teaching i really really recommend that you do um of course it's not by any way exhaustive and it's possible you could still have questions it's possible that there are still things you would need to study and think about to build conviction on that topic but i hope that by way of introduction it at least helped to form some form of grounding on where i believe the bible points to in that regard um today we are going right into first timothy 3 uh, so if you haven't listened to part one part two part three i really recommend that you do of course um just a brief overview one sentence summary paul sent timothy someone that has followed him in ministry that he has discipled to to uh to go into the church at ephesus and to stop false teaching to raise elders or to to set the church straight as far as doctrine and church administration is concerned and so looking through first timothy whether or not you're you feel you're called into pulpit ministry in that sense there's a lot we can learn as to what god expects at least through divine inspiration through paul that a healthy church should look like what god expects a healthy church to look like and we've talked about a, a couple of things so far we've talked about the place of doctrine we've talked about uh the place of how false teachers or false teachings should be handled we've talked about um now we've talked about the role of the church as far as prayer is concerned how public worship should be treated whether it's in dressing whether it's in 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 the heart whether it's in administration we've talked a bit about a lot of all of that and today we we get into um one of the most direct portions of these texts paul giving clear instructions right as to what to look out for when picking elders and deacons 
that's what we're going to do we're going to try to run through this entire chapter today um but even before we start reading from verse one i i want us to as we read this remind ourselves like two things i hope that we'll do by the end of this teaching number one we're going to reevaluate that statement god doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called as though there is no personal responsibility that prepares you to be used by god we're going to look at that idea and reflect on this chapter with that at the back of our minds um the next thing is i hope that this would re-emphasize or just remind you that if in god's plan for his church in god's plan for the body he has decided and he has placed people lives that will serve as examples representatives to lead us in his will and so we talked about this many times in ephesians 4 we talked about how um starting from john 3 16 right he says god loved the world so much god loved he he so wanted a people right in the world he gave his son he sent in quotes a man right to 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 birth or become the firstborn of this new family. But then, even right after, that man has come, walked for three years, taught, healed, done miracles, died, ascended. And it's like, oh, we follow that man, Jesus. We are Christ followers. We are followers of Christ. But God is like, well, yes, all of you follow Jesus. That's well and good. But he doesn't stop there. It says in Ephesians 4 that he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts. He gave gifts from Ephesians 4. Oh, I'm reading from the NLT. Let me change my translation. Ephesians 4 verse 11. Ephesians 4 starting from even verse 6, verse 7, verse 8. We've talked about that. That God didn't just give his son to the church. He gave gifts to the church and those gifts are found in men whether it's apostles whether it's prophets evangelists pastors and teachers it says for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ and so you find yourself in a body and you're like what is god's strategy to equip me to do all that god has asked me to do look to the gifts he has given you what is god's strategy for edifying for building up the body of christ of which i'm a part look to the gifts he has given you it is till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ ephesians 4 12 and 13 what is god's plan what is god's strategy for me to come to a perfect man for me to mature as a believer for me to come to a place where i know the son of god as i ought to look to the men or women the gifts god has placed in the body and so it's a mindset to have that as a believer all that god will equip me for 
the many ways God will expect me to grow, the many things God will expect me to learn, where should I look to? I look to the body. I look to the church to see the gifts that God has placed there for my benefit. And so for many of us, like, oh, I, I, I want to, I want to, I want to uh, study better. I want to be a better student of the word of God. Thank God for personal study. Thank God that, thank God that the Bible is accessible to you. But God's, one of the biggest ways we see God wanting to come alongside you to achieve that purpose is in the gifts he has placed in the church. Oh, I want to be better at evangelism. I want to walk in the gifts of the spirit much more. Look to the body because in the body, God has given gifts for everyone to grow. Whether it's in ministry, whether it's in knowledge, whether it's in charisma, whether it's in conduct, God has given gifts in people. And we've talked about that a lot of times, that a big part of the body of the church of God is to set examples. So that at whatever point in your journey you find yourself with God, you can look ahead and see someone whose life mirrors what you want to be like. You can be discipled. You can, in fact, that is literally the great commission. It's to go out and make disciples of nations. Teaching them. Teaching them. Teaching them. And so God's family, God's body in Christ is what? People being discipled by people who are being discipled by people and, all, and so on and so forth. And we've talked about that. Jesus, the, 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 uh, the forerunner of our faith, the author and finisher, the chief example, he stands as that. But it doesn't, yes, we look to Jesus, but we also look to the men or women that Jesus has put us under. And so Jesus teaches the apostles. The apostles start to teach people. I'm asked to, we've talked about that, continuing in the apostles' doctrines. And so how did the early church follow Christ? By following the apostles. Now the apostles are dying. They are, they are leaving the scene. First Timothy, Second Timothy 2 verse 2, the things you've heard of me, commit to faithful men. Commit to faithful men who would in turn be able to teach others also. And so we see that button being passed down that leadership that responsibility of making sure that every subsequent generation in the body of christ is able to keep up with that example keep up with that pattern how by looking to the gifts that god has given the body and so it's it's a mindset that we all as believers should have that if we can just receive these gifts then we would be all that God wants us to be. If I can just be taught, if I can just be discipled, I will be better in my evangelism. I'll be better in the way I handle the word of God. I'll be better as a minister of the gospel. That is God's idea. Are there abuses? Definitely. Does it change the fact that it's God's idea? Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. And so, it's no surprise that whether it's in 1 Timothy, whether Paul speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy, Paul speaking to Titus in Titus, 
that a big part of their work is learning how to recognize and appoint elders in the church. Because a church or God's church is structured that way. Leaders who are faithful examples to build up everyone else. That is God's structure for the church. And so if you feel that by somehow isolating yourself from that structure, isolating yourself from that body, you would still be able to do and be all that God has called you to be. I don't think it would be that easy. God's idea, we've talked about that when people ask questions about, oh, as a new believer, how should I learn to pray regularly? Join it. Go and join a good church. As a new believer, how do I learn to flow in, this, in the gifts of the Spirit? Join a good church. As a new believer, how do I learn to, to understand the Bible for what it's worth? Join a good church. As a new believer, how, how, do, I, how do I function better in the gifts of the Spirit? I, I, want, I really love God and I want people join a good church as a new believer how do i become more like christ i find this weakness and this weakness in my character i want to do better join a good church that's god's strategy that's god's strategy it has always been through men to men through men to men whether in the in in, in the old testament whether even in the in the writing of the bible whether in saving humans he saved men through a man he raises men through men he teaches men through men he corrects men through men that is god's strategy that's god's strategy that's god's strategy so it's very important recognize the gifts that God has has given you in your in, for starters find a good local church recognize the gifts that God has given you through that community of believers and submit to it take full advantage of it take full advantage of it take full advantage of it amen 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 so in this chapter Paul starts to describe what does an elder or a bishop or an overseer what does it look what does that kind of person look like what does a deacon look like and it's interesting because everything we're going to read today as we always say everything we find in the new testament we see glimpses in the old we see glimpses in the old turn your bibles to exodus 18 exodus 18 Are we, are, we, are we together this morning slash afternoon? Exodus 18. So this is uh, Moses, man of God. You've led the people out through Israel. And now there are millions of people Moses is directly overseeing. Same way Jesus, he has led us out of darkness into light. Led us through baptism into, into, his, in, into, into a new reality in God. And... There are millions of people fighting. I want to see pastor after service. Pastor, when can I call? When can I call you? When can I? Pastor, you, I need to speak to pastor. He said, I talked. He said, no, I must speak to pastor. That is, this is where it started from. So let's, let's, let's go to Exodus 18 verse 13. It says, 
And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning till evening. It says, so when Moses' father-in-law, Exodus 18 verse 14, saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? It says that Moses said to the father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, I judge between them, I make known the statutes of God and his law. Verse 17, every pastor, minister, <laughs> mentor, read Exodus 18 verse 17. It says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. <laughs> what you are doing is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it. But some, some people don't want to hear that. They don't want to believe. They say, no, I will answer every question this body of Christ has. I am the sent man to these people. If I do not do it, Deto, who will? <laughs> right? Jethro said, it is not good. You would wear yourself out. You would wear, as a pastor's kid, I can relate to people lining up after service, trying to see my dad, to ask all sorts of questions. I know I have seen firsthand what it looks like. He has a busy, he has to go to work the next day, 3 a.m. Someone is calling him. I just had a nightmare. Ah. <laughs> so you have become his nightmare <laughs> because you had a nightmare. Or, or let's say someone is in labor. He's about to go to bed. Pastor, my wife is in labor. They will be there on the phone until that child is born it's difficult it's it's a lot it's a lot and if you fail to apply the wisdom of jethro you would wear yourself out yourself out you would wear yourself out on so many untold stories so many told stories of pastors falling sick breaking down in their health why because of the demand of ministry because of the demand of ministry, and it's not even the teaching and preaching part it is the people part, the, the Sunday till the next Sunday, the amount of counseling, the amount of, of, of comforting, the amount of being present. And I just want to encourage you, if you have a pastor or someone that is taking out the time to be there for you, spiritually and otherwise, recognize it. Recognize it. Pray for them. Be interested in their own health. Don't don't just be, I just want, I just want to receive. No, no, no. It's a lot. Because just as you are there to receive, there are many other people there to receive as well. And it takes a lot. You say, ah, I sent, I sent my pastor a voice note. He has never replied to me. All these pastors, they don't even have time for their members. You are, you are wicked. <laughs> you are ignorant slash wicked. <laughs> It's it's not as simple. You are not. He's not pastoring just you, or she's not pastoring just you. Recognize the work. It can be very draining. Same thing, even with the family. I, <laughs> yeah, no serious. Even with the family, I I I stayed with in the U.S. Like he's also a pastor. This man is on phone calls most of the day. When he's not praying, studying, or doing family time, he's on phone calls. Why? Counseling people teaching people, answering questions, being there. 
oh my my you are a relationship expert my wife and i this and that you have to talk to husband talk to wife try and find out the middle ground oh maybe i'll come and visit you guys let's so that's just one couple <laughs> one couple another one it's doctrine pastor i don't understand this text you sit down you teach another one it's pastor i'm 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 looking for a job i'm frustrated you have to counsel remind them of the goodness of god pray with them another couple god forbid maybe a death just happened wherever you are you are driving there or someone is sick you're going to go and pray it can it can get a lot and so there is wisdom from leadership um to 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 understand jethro's advice he said what verse 19 Listen now to my voice I will give you counsel Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way they must walk and the work they must do Moreover or better still maybe however you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God men of truth hating covetousness take a pay good attention to Exodus 18 verse 21 because it's going to be a mirror of everything we're going to talk about today this is the 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 God's people God's Israel in the Old Testament of which the church is the full expression of and even when Israel was being established it was clear that Israel was going to ride on leadership successive leadership It says what? Um verse 21. Place them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. That is God's idea. I mean it's just basic wisdom honestly, but it's still God's idea. People that would represent that would be responsible for for a much smaller workload. Why? It is let them judge the people at all times. then it will be that every great matter it will come to you but every small matter they themselves will judge so that it will be easier for you for they will bear the burden with you if you do this thing and god so commands you then you will be able to endure you'll be able to endure you'll be able to endure and all these people will also go to their place in peace So right here even in building the nation Israel we see that example heads of tens of hundreds of thousands is have good father in law abina to to represent Moses of course it was it just oh god does it call the qualified he qualifies the god he says no, no what these were qualified men able fear god men of truth hating covetousness it wasn't just anyone there were qualifications for people that would head people it talks about their 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 response to god it talks about how faithful they are in handling the integrity of of god's word and just character it talks about their response to money very very important things and it says these are the ones you should place as leaders the church of god the true israel of god is not any different god has 
in his wisdom designed the same strategy that there will be elders and there will be deacons to help with the work. We see that in Acts 6. People were complaining over food. And it says the 12 summoned the disciples. Acts It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It says seek out from among you. Again, what? Men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, so that we may appoint them over this business. But we ourselves will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So even the apostles were smart enough to realize that if we try to do it all, we would not do the most important thing well. And so in God's wisdom, let us spread this leadership so that there will be effective administration as well as effective spiritual activities going on. We've talked about that in, in when we're talking about gifts of administrations and stuff like that. It is vital. One person can't do it all. The person will wear themselves out. Not only that, the people will suffer. I hope you took note of that. It's not even just about the well-being of the, of the leader. The people will suffer because God has a, an abundance to give people. If you narrow or concentrate all those resources with one person, the people will starve. And so in God's wisdom and abundance, you should be willing to see that God has many men. God has multiple. God has a, a ton of people. And so even as a church, there are many elders, many deacons, so that even for the people, there would be growth accountability. And so that's why you see many churches today, they have things like cell groups, small groups, groups of 10, group of 15, maybe based on locations, people are heading them. The church I grew up with house fellowship. It's called house fellowship, house fellowship leaders. That's God's idea. And then maybe you have layers of structure that way to make sure that people are under people, people are growing, people are accountable. Because if everyone wants to receive from one person, the person will wear themselves out and the church of God will start. We see that example. And so Paul tells Timothy, you are going to Ephesus. You are going there to stop false teachers. But I want you to also take note of this very important task. Appoint good elders and good deacons that would ensure that the work goes on well. Because I, Paul, I can't be there. Timothy, you're not going to stay there. I'm going to send you somewhere else soon. The church needs people that would help guide them. That would be those gifts that God spoke about in Ephesians 4 to ensure that everyone grows. Does that make sense? All right. I, I, I hope we're all on the same page. And so you start to read these verses and all Paul is doing is giving, it's like resume, like, sorry, job description. Buki career coach. <laughs> you can't speak to this. He says, oh, we need a new hire. What are the says? Preferably, two years master's degree. It says, no older than 25 with 30 years work experience. That is what we want. It says, how? It says, I don't know. Just find me that person. It says, must be able to work in this and this and this. It says, must do well under pressure. Or no, um, must be able to work in a fast-paced environment. That's, 
That's what they say today. Fast-paced, uh, you're a liar. You want to kill somebody's child. It says a dynamic, fast-paced environment. Or they'll say you must be able to um, self take on responsibility for yourself. I don't, I don't know how that is phrased. You're a liar. You want to kill somebody. But that's what they, their job descriptions. And even before you apply, well, some people apply in faith. But you look at it, you say, this is not... This is not me. They are not looking for. They are not looking for me. Say, but we just apply, and then you get just say, glory to God. I receive a job I was not qualified for. Anyways, <laughs> be able to multi all sorts of requirements, all sorts of requirements. Um, but that's the point. There is a job description, and so even in you desiring to fulfill, say, oh, I want to be this kind of person. You look at the requirements. Is this something I can do or I am already able to do? Another, another way to view it. Let's say, oh, 10 years in my career, I want to be this kind of person. You see the requirements. You see what those people have in their repertoire. And you, it's, it becomes an example for you that, oh, if I want to be this person in 10 years, then I need to have this degree. I need to have worked on these kinds of projects. I need to be able to have this kind of experience. And so you prepare yourself for that kind of work. My point is simple. In the secular, there is there are requirements for every task that, is, that should be done. The church of God is no different. You know, say, ah, I feel the anointing strong on your life. Will you come and lead us, sir? <laughs> that's not that's not um as in taking pastor career coach bookie that's not the example we see say ah i just i just feel like i just feel like say pastor i woke up and i felt a strong urge that i should be a pastor you say oh wow let us make haste we shall not we shall not delay with the word of god quickly ordain this man to what God has asked him to do. Is that what we see in scripture? No. And so, um, we, we hear that statement a lot, that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And on one hand, it makes sense. What do I mean by that? When God chooses people, he in his own wisdom and sovereignty, calls them for whatever work that they would have. When God called Jeremiah to be a prophet, he says that from your mother's womb, I picked you and I appointed you as a prophet to Israel. Jeremiah hadn't done anything, but God in his wisdom said, I would use Jeremiah as a prophet. I would use Jeremiah as a prophet. When God called Moses, Moses hadn't like it was hadn't really done anything it was right from it says oh i would use moses to deliver my people israel and so there is that sense that in god's body he sovereignly and in his wisdom chooses people for the work chooses people for the work but just like everything in god's sovereignty we have a part to play there is a way to respond to god's call on your life there is a way to respond to a to a desire 
or a burden for ministry. It's not just God called me. God, keep quiet. <laughs> God called you. Thank God. There's a way to prepare. There's a way to respond. There's a way to prepare. There's a way to respond such that if you do not respond in such a manner, you will not be able to do what God has asked you to do. So for instance, in 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse 19 to 22. 2 Timothy 2, from verse 19 to 22. It says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Having this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, but did why you have failed. And everyone who names the name of the Lord must turn away from unrighteousness. Now, this is my emphasis. This is in a large house. They are not only gold and silver bowls, but those of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. He's giving that example. You know, you know. let's say, for, for if you grew up, let's say, in the typical Nigerian home, those plates, those wedding plates <laughs> that your mom has somewhere in the store that only comes out once every five years, <laughs> that must not get... If you mistakenly break it, you yourself, you you just start crying because you know that you are in trouble. And then there are some random plastic cups that if they return, just throw it away, Jared, will replace it. That's what Paul is saying. There are vessels in the house of clay, vessels of silver and gold, vessels of wood and clay. Now, if it was a case of oh, uh, God calls, God calls, it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not by that. Then it would be as simple as saying oh. Maybe God has called me in his body to be a vessel of clay. What can I do? I will just be clay. <laughs> and then we, we think of it like, ah, some people, God called them for gold. He said, I chose you for gold. And like, that's, that's just how it is. But that's not what the text goes on to say. It's not, it's not uh, whether you are, in quotes, gold or silver, useful for God or wood or clay useful for trash in the house of God is not solely a, a, a working of just God. You would think that, oh, no, 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 it's God that makes, no. He makes it very clear. You can choose to be a vessel unto honor or a vessel unto dishonor. It's, it's literally in your hands. He says, if anyone purifies himself, from anything dishonorable, he would be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. So yes, you are crying, God, use me. Use me, Lord. Spend my life and reap the nations for you. It's very clear. If anyone purifies himself, from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, set apart, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. You want God to use you? Set yourself apart. You want God to, to reach nations through you? Make yourself an honorable vessel. Nobody in their right minds, having a special guest, will present plastic plates to them. They will give them their best. Paul is telling Timothy, be God's best 
if God is looking for people, will he, can he count on you? Can he count on you? Can he count on you? If God is looking for people to change the world, will he consider you? <laughs> That's literally what he, I mean, you see the story of Job. He says, have you considered my servants? If you think God isn't what he is, he says, have you? God was bragging that I ah, look at Job. Ah, Job now my guy. Job is, I can trust Job. Same thing with Abraham. He says, I can trust it. He would instruct his children according to my ways. I can trust him. I can trust him. Can God trust you? The God <laughs> give me America or I die. You're a liar. <laughs> you will not die. <laughs> you really do not care. <laughs> as much as you, you claim you do. Can God actually use you? Are you willing to put in that work? Are you willing to give yourself to prayer? Are you willing to give yourself to the study of God's word? Are you willing to, like he said, purify yourself from anything dishonorable, from distractions, from all these things that, that will, will limit the work? And so, years of, 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 of attending faithfully in church, you've not grown in, your, in the way you handle God's word. You've not, you've not grown to a place of maturity like we learned in Hebrews 5 where you can teach others. And you think, God, use me. How? You are wood. <laughs> how? How? You say, how? How? Say, God, I want my evangelical ministry to be... You've not read anything on apologetics. How? It's not magic. <laughs> I, I, I want to have the answer to the questions of men's hearts. How? What do you do with your free time? You're watching TV. You say, God, I want to have questions to ask. How? It's not going to happen. It's not in one prayer meeting that you prayed, God, use me, and all of a sudden. <laughs> How? Say, God, I want to see the miraculous. They say, have you spent time praying and meditating on the gospel? They say, ah, you know, life. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it says, if anyone purifies himself, he would be a special instrument. So yes, there's a place in which God wants to use men, but there's a sense in which God and men make themselves available to be used by God. And so it's a very simple question. How do you want God to use you? It's honestly, the good thing is, like we said, everything here is in the master's house. Whether you are wood, whether you are gold, to the glory of God, you are shy in the kitchen. <laughs> you belong to the master. But it's a real question to ask yourself. Do you really want God to use you? To what extent are you? do you want to be used? Like, sit down and actually write the job description <laughs> of what that kind of person should be like. Whether it's in the things they've sacrificed, in the things they've, 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 they've committed to God's care, in the things they've labored. Paul says, you've known my will, my sufferings, my prayer, my devotion. You, you, you know it. You know it. You know it. You know it. Sit down. Say, what will it take 
to disciple, to, to be someone that God can trust with a thousand lives. Do I, do I really, am I putting in, and I'm not saying that until, oh, you, no. Of course there is grace and God works, but there, there should be that desire and intentionality about making yourself the kind of person that God can use for the work he has put in your heart. Amen. Very important. Very important. Am I, am I given to prayer as I ought? As I ought to be? Am I given to the word of God? Am I intentionally learning? Oh, I want to teach the nations. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's just what you learn on Sunday. <laughs> you are going, so I want to teach them. You're not, you're not, maybe you can be house fellowship leader. That is good. It's a good work. It's a good work. But be honest with yourself. The things God has put in my heart, am I responding enough to training? Am I responding enough to training? So, yes, I definitely believe in that, that God puts or births desires in the hearts of people. But then there is a training that is required. And so you see David, long before he was king, he had been trained in obscurity, leading sheep in the shepherd and um, in, in the wilderness. He had been trained to defend his sheep. He had been trained. He says, I have fought the bear. I fought the lion. Goliath would be like one of them. Same thing with Joseph. He had, he had learned how to deal with responsibility, Potiphar's house, managing the prison. Some of you say, God, I will lead Egypt. Use me to lead Egypt. You've not led a prison. You've not led Potiphar's house. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Allow God, preserve the desires and the burdens that God has placed in you. We're going to see that in verse 1. Preserve that. But submit yourself to the training of his spirit. Because at the end of the day, for God to use you for the work, you have to be ready to handle it. You have to be ready to handle it. From the day Paul got saved, he said he would be a mighty, he would, I would use him for Gentiles, for Jews, this and that. But it probably took years of faithfully serving in Antioch. Before in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, it's time. They are ready, separate unto me. Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them. There was training. There was training. Same thing with John. It, he, years in the wilderness, no one saw him. Building that depth, building that intimacy with God until one day he says it was time for his announcement to all Israel. And he just came, ah, repent, the kingdom of God is near. That was not when training, he had been trained. Same thing with Jesus. 30 years, right from age 12, we can see that there was already enough wisdom to engage with the most intelligent minds of his day in, in theology at 12. And he didn't start ministry until 18 years later. What was he doing those 18 years? He was still growing, still being trained. It wasn't time. It wasn't time. Even after baptism, went into the wilderness 40 days. And then he came out. He, says he, he, he returned full of power full of power full of power even for the salvific work we read in hebrews it says at every point he has been tested just as we are and it is that experience that training that qualifies him to be to be the savior of our souls 
to be that high priest we can look to as an example. So yes, God qualifies the cult, but that's in that sense, or rather, so yes, God doesn't, in a sense, call the qualified, if that's what you mean. But whoever God calls must partner with him to make sure that they become qualified for the work he calls them to. I hope that makes sense. God will not just... Does that make sense? Thumbs up. Thumbs up if that makes sense. I, I want to be sure we're all on the same page. All right. All right. Good. So bear that in mind. Bear that in mind. Ah, I said it off my head. I don't know exactly what I said. I think I said, God... Uh, God, I don't know what I said. Did anyone write it down? But the whole point of what I was trying to say that God in his sovereignty and wisdom calls people. But there is a sense in which we must partner with that desire, with that responsibility that God has placed with us to qualify us for the work he would have us do. And so, in 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, we're starting today. I know I see the time. The time is looking at me. We're looking at each other but we would overcome. <laughs> it says, this is a faithful saying. As usual, I'm reading from the NKJV. So we're done by way of introduction. Let's, let's start. It says, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. So Paul makes it clear that yes, there are desires that precede functioning in a certain capacity. God can please desires in your heart. And you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've always just found my, I just want to serve God. First Timothy 3 verse 1. Oh yes, thank you, Anne. I just want to serve God. From me, I just want to, I got saved and as time, I just wanted to serve God. God can please desires in your heart. And he's like, I've called you. I've called you. But then he doesn't just say, if anyone desires the position of a good job, he desires a good work. Put him in. No. He starts to list qualifications such that if you desire that position, but you don't meet those qualifications, well, sorry, you can't be a bishop. It doesn't matter how much burden, <laughs> how strong the desires, you can't do the work. You can't. You can't do the work. You're not ready. You're not ready. And so, yes, so, for instance, you see in Acts 20 verse 8, Acts 20 verse 8, Paul speaking to the elders at Ephesus. It says again, Take heed therefore to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he purchased with his own blood. And so, yes, God chooses men. I, I don't want you to leave here thinking that's not God chooses men. But men respond to that choice. Men respond to that choice. When you get to eternity, you're going to find out there will be a lot more people, if not millions, that God also called. But because they did not put in the work, they weren't able to do or do as much as God would have had them do. You would see. You would see. You would see. So yes, he says it that the, 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 the ability to serve, it starts from what? Desire desire for some of you it might be that you need to reevaluate your desires that 
how come there's nothing in me that wants to to serve God? He say, ah, I'm fine. I'm I I I go to church. I represent him at work. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't need to do more. Maybe you need to reevaluate your desires. For some others, they say is is Jeremiah said even when I tried to keep quiet, it was like fire shot up in my bones. That one I can relate. That there's nothing else. It just feels like anything else you are doing is a waste of time. <laughs> as long as you are not preaching and teaching, say, say, what are you doing? I, I remember having a, a conversation with a friend of mine and we're just lamenting. That, Why are we? What are we doing in nine to five? Lord, what, what are we doing here? Can we not, if, if you like, resign, you will starve. <laughs> and rightfully so. But, but the desire is, is, is there. You just need to say, ah, this one, this one, it's too like God. A, a pastor friend of mine, um, he was talking about how when he knew it was time to start ministry, he couldn't even focus on working, like to go full-time rather, like to leave his nine to five and focus on the work that was already growing. So he couldn't even focus at work anymore. He would just be on his desk. Simon's, <laughs> Simon's has just come into his mind. He said, he prayed, prayed. The, 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 the unrest was so much that he had to turn in his resignation letter. He says, I, I can't do this anymore. I have to go and serve God. I have to go and serve God. He says, if anyone desires, if anyone desires. And like I said, in God's wisdom, he has designed his body. Like, like I said, he has given gifts to men. He has placed men in certain positions. And so for some, the desire is to be, or what God has called them to be, is to be an apostle or to be a prophet. For another, it's to be a pastor or to be an evangelist. For another, is to serve as a deacon. For another, is to serve in administration. Right? I'm not saying that all of a sudden, if you're not desiring the office of a bishop, you are wrong. No. I'm telling you to reflect on your heart. Are you willing to receive all that God wants to do through you? Once you clear that first step, begin to faithfully respond in that way. Not everyone should desire to be a bishop. In fact, James said, he said, not many of you should want to be teachers because they'll be judged more harshly. Yes, God will judge me more harshly. Alas, that is my cross to bear. <laughs> but sit down, reevaluate your priorities. Do, do I have God? Give, is there anything in my life that I desire that I know is from God? Or no, I, I desire to be this. I, I desire... Two wives and two kids. <laughs> Sorry. One wife and two kids. I desire... Um, no. Is there is there any godly ambition that you know was placed in you because your heart became aligned with God's will? And you point to something that you know, I know this is what God wants to do with my life. And the more I pray, the more I align with the will of God, it only grows stronger. Do you have that? If you don't, go and pray. If you don't, reevaluate your priorities. Because for everyone who is partnered with the will of God, God will show you your role in the body. He will. He will. He will. And so if for anything, it's a different case of, oh, um, I'm praying about it and God is saying, be faithful what I'm doing now and more will be made clear as I go. That's a different case altogether. We're like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing in God's house. That's a problem. That's a problem. It's a problem. Amen. This has turned into ministry class. I don't know how, but it is fine. That's why we're in Timothy. But 
It says if anyone um desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. I I I like that description. It says he desires a good work because at the end of the day it is work. It is work. Don't fall into that that category of people that say oh are you, what what are you doing with them are you not are you not just a pastor that's 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 a very ignorant thing to say an irreverent thing to say it says he desires a good work so much so that paul is able to say that those people are entitled to be supported by the church because it would take a huge part of their time if it is done well in fact it should take more than a nine to five it should take more than a nine to five. That's the responsibility of overseer, elders, church, right? I'm not saying every role in the body in that sense. But it is a good work, but it is work nonetheless. And so it should be seen as work. And because it is work, not anyone can do it. He then goes on to start to describe the same things we read in Exodus 18. It is a bishop must be blameless, meaning no one should be able to say you did this no charge of serious like no one should be able to charge him with ah you <laughs> you <laughs> and and not that he's perfect not that uh he has never sinned in his life or you say oh i have uh, i've been in prison twice i can no longer be a pastor of a church no but of course, if you've done any wrong, you've made it right. But at the point in which you serve in that capacity, no one should be able to chant. That's why Paul said, um, even Moses did the exact same thing before, when he was handed over to Joshua. Does anyone have anything to say? Have I cheated you in any way? Have I robbed you in any way? Paul did the same thing. Can you point of anything wrong that I've done to anyone here that I've not made right? That's what he's saying. A bishop must be blameless. It says he must be the husband of one wife very interesting phrase um and the more i go the more i realize that i have once again set a high expectation on how far we'll go in this chapter but god be praised very interesting phrase <laughs> because god help me <laughs> be praying for me guys i need to learn to finish chapters <laughs> i'm just joking we'll do what god will have us do but very interesting phrase this is the husband of one wife and that already makes it clear that there were people in the church that had more than one wife. But not only that, it wasn't exactly considered sin. And I'm saying that because, if, especially if you've listened to last week's teaching, you know when I'm, where I'm going with this. If the requirement of an elder is to be the husband of one wife, it means that there are people in the church that have more than one wife. But they are in the church. And it can't be considered sin because like we learned in 1 Corinthians 5, if it was considered sin, then the church would have kicked them out. Because for them to still maintain that position means that they are choosing to engage in willful, continual sin. The fact that there are people in the church that have more than one wife means that the church didn't explicitly consider it something to kick them out for. And then you're like, hmm, man of God, man of God, are you now saying that i can um marry as i please and it's all good not exactly in fact no that's not what i'm saying if you remember 
the huge emphasis of last week's teaching was what god was working through an imperfect system bringing it to an ideal jesus did the same thing in divorce he says moses permitted you to divorce for any says, but it was because your hearts were hard it's not as if that was god's intention it says now i'm telling you if you divorce for anything other than sexual immorality it's wrong it's wrong he sets another another he says why in the beginning it was not so god made them male and female whatever god has joined together you can't by just flimsy reasons separate he restores them or their thinking of marriage to god's ideal even though it was the same moses that permitted what he's now saying that is not god's ideal does that make sense and so we talked about that last week with slavery the same thing is god fine with the idea of buying humans or owning a human life as though it's property of course not god's ideal is that everyone was made in his image and and deserves that dignity as such and we start to see glimpses we don't see in this all slavery is banned no we start to see the dignity of human beings whether slaves or free restored we talked about the same thing in gender and female leadership and it's the same thing here god's ideal in the beginning was adam and eve not adam eve and evelyn right it's one man and one woman and so how does god start to to portray that ideal by the leaders he says even if i would not make a hard rule on the church of god because of the society and the structure because for instance there are people coming into the faith they probably have five wives are you going to tell them to take away where would they fend how would they fend for themselves we read about how harsh things were for um, women in the, in that time and so he's not going to say oh divorce your wives if you don't have divorce but he's saying if you want to lead god's people this is the standard this is the standard why because it's god's standard and so it's important you now start to see this and so when we make a case for monogamy as believers even though yes you can't point to any direct instruction that the church should be monogamous we have phrases like this that show us that if the standard of leadership is this then it reflects a standard in god a standard in god that god's ideal is a man and a woman he says it should be the husband of one wife he goes on to some people would argue that this means that he must be married that whoever would lead the church of god must be married of course this is i don't agree with this for many reasons first of all the person writing the requirements is not married so by that standard paul himself cannot lead the people he's appointed as leader because paul is not married timothy that that is sent there to regulate the church is a young man we don't know if he's very likely he's probably not married yet and so it makes no sense it makes no sense um also if it refers to that he must be married then by that same interpretation in verse 4 when he says his children must submit to him that means that if you are married and you don't have kids god forbid you to barrenness you can't lead god's people again it's ridiculous <laughs> so no he's giving a standard it doesn't mean if you are not married you can't be an overseer and this is one of the reasons why um and we're going to look at that in verse 5 if we even make it there today that people now argue because complementarians like we learned last week would use this verse clearly Paul's expectation is that a bishop is a man it can't be a woman right we learned that last week but then 
some argue with things like oh it must be the husband of one wife and we've uh, if if that's the case if you want to take it that literally then like we said unmarried and people without kids can't lead god's people either right but that's not the case so again listen to last week's teaching for where i stand i may be wrong i'm not perfect but i believe based on careful study that that is what the bible points at anyways so yes husband of one wife temperate sober-minded of good behavior hospitable and able to teach he just just one after the other the same things we saw in exodus 18 he must be temperate meaning a person of self-control not given to excesses mommy Anne, why are you crying <laughs> not given to excesses not given to excesses he i would still go back to that but he, he went on that outline in verse three not given to wine not violent not greedy for money not gentle sorry but gentle i said not gentle so, so yes finally i'm not a gentle person i qualify but gentle <laughs> not quarrelsome and not covetous and in those two verses a big part of the requirement is self-control this must be a disciplined individual we've talked a lot about what it means to be sober-minded and in today's world it doesn't mean that oh i don't drink it goes beyond that much more than that paul is literally saying if that if the, if an individual is given to activities that override their self-control or any or given to activities that can influence their actions above the spirit of god they are not fit to lead god's people that's what he's saying for some it may have been wine in first timothy 3 verse 3 but in today's world it could be social media <laughs> i could say not given to not not a slave to the gram it's a requirement <laughs> do you get because if you are that you're not temperate not given to excessive spending if you are that you are not temperate it's not me it's the word of god it's pretty clear for some it's you too like food mommy and <laughs> not giving to food <laughs> you can't eat but the people is entertainment you're just so given to pleasure you're not temperate you're not sober-minded you can't lead you're not fit to lead god's people you're not fit to lead god's people very tall order it's not it's 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 um i mean it's clear in the text thank you for that question i forgot i forgot something in my introduction that i was i pushed to later um i would answer that soon but thank you so much i'm looking at the time i would answer uh, yeah i think we'll finish elders we might not start deacons but we'll finish elders and i'll answer that but you see that temperate temperate Again, like I said, don't just be shouting. Very, yes, a very good question. That's what I wanted to talk about. But yeah, temperate. The word there in KJV, it says vigilant, sober. It's still the same word, sober, circumspect. So that though you didn't get it, he repeated it again with a different word. Sound mind, self-controlled person. That is it. He repeated it like so many times that it, it shows you that one of the biggest there's a reason why paul would tell timothy you've not received the spirit of fear but of power of love of his sound mind 
it's something we don't we don't think too much of as believers today it's very easy to know that oh this is sin it's wrong i shouldn't do this oh adultery is wrong i shouldn't do this but self-control is a fruit of the spirit temperance is an expression of the spirit meaning that at any point in my life i find myself becoming overly dependent on anything it's not god it's not ideal it's not ideal it's not ideal i have to wean myself off it i find myself overly dependent on my phone there's a problem i find myself overly dependent on social media there's a problem i find myself overly dependent on entertainment there's a problem i find myself overly dependent on anything it could be anything anything there's a problem there's a problem and you should recognize it the moment my life is 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 not i am not i don't see the spirit of god working in me in a way that is self-control i'm i'm in my rightful senses there's a problem there's a problem another big one we saw in both exodus and now is not greedy for money and not covetous when we get to first timothy 6 i'm going to talk about money and and uh yeah we're going to talk about money but it's a big deal especially if you are a leader of god's people again jesus would speak you can't serve god and money he didn't say you can't serve god and the devil he 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 looked at the human condition and says what is the biggest distraction in the hearts of men beyond god that would take a heart from god he says it's money it's money and a lot of us don't think about what it means to be a slave to money because we're like oh i don't find myself chasing money per se it's 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 a lot more subtle than that what does money represent it simply it's options like we usually say money stops nonsense i i believe that with all my heart money stops money stops a lot of nonsense or money gives you option or stuff like that and so for some you, you ask yourself oh why are you so like let's say you were, we're all in secondary school we're all in university right i'm giving an example of what it means to serve money like ah come for prayer meeting say ah no 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 i have to study come for uh, let's go evangelize say no 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 i have assignment due come let's 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 study the word of god ah no 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 i have this this uh i, I need to revisit these concepts on on this topic and it's it's such that and we knew those kind of people where they couldn't engage spiritually let's say some of them probably even did their daily devotion they prayed and they studied but they couldn't be of any use to the body of christ all through their why because they were studying and in that sense you're like okay what is the end goal they are studying so that they want to get a good job so that they can be probably financially stable or something there's still that mindset at the end of the day it's still money it's money that is that is driving that desire same thing with career oh ah, come let's 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 pray say ah no no no, no. i have work ah let's evangelize i have work let's study i have work money is still your god because if not for if there was no such thing as money maybe you would have had more time 
beyond what work demands. You don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose that. You don't want to lose that. If you trace almost every human ambition, you would find money at the root of it because of what money can do. If it's fame, if it's success, if it's influence, you would find that it's still all materialism. Oh, mammon. It's materialism. That's what John looked at. He says he summarized all sin. He said it's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He says a minister must not be greedy for money because there is really nothing you would find that will paralyze the usefulness of a ministry of, of a minister than the pursuit of the love of money. All of a sudden, their motives change. Because their motives change, their message starts to change. It's no longer about preaching the integrity of the cross, whether or not people like it or not. Like, ah, if I don't preach this message, if I preach this message, they won't like it. They don't like it, they will leave my church. Ha. No, no, no. Let me preach something that will bring them back. Why? Because if they come back, they will give offering. If they give offering, I will have money. Do you see that? You start to compromise all in the name of gathering people. You are not actually out for souls. You just want a large congregation. Why? Because you are greedy for money. As ministers of the gospel, I think that is one of the biggest things you always should check your heart for. What am I actually after? How much of a hold does ministerial success disguised as crowds and the wealth that comes with that or the influence or the affluence or the reputation that comes with that how much is it affecting me how much is it affecting my message how much is it affecting the way we do our things you say oh we need this we need this why so that we get more money oh we need to teach this why so that we get more money and so it's a very, very sensitive issue. We're going to talk more about it, but I just want to just touch on it a bit. It's a criteria for ministry. He said, no violence. Some of you are too violent. <laughs> I'm just joking. But this clearly refers to like, let's say, justify it. Say, they, they hit your car. You, you're already rolling, rolling up sleep. You say, how dare you? If I, if I... You're not fit to leave God's people. You're not fit to leave God's people. See, I saw my pastor fighting. <laughs> ah, that's a problem. That's a big problem. <laughs> he says he must be hospitable and he must be able to teach. Of course, doctrine is a big Why are you leading God's people if you can't teach them? It's the same thing Jethro told Moses. People that can also teach. Able to teach. Able to teach. Meaning that they must be mature enough to handle God's word. Faithfully enough to communicate it. 2 Timothy 2 2. It says they must be hospitable, be able to welcome people into your home, take care of the poor, generous, generous, generous. And so I want you to think about this. So now, and we'll probably, let's see. Okay. So now, Timothy is tasked with choosing elders in the church and you're now wondering okay how is he going to do go about this and paul gives these instructions that means that the people timothy appoints they were already doing these things in the sense in which how do you know 
someone is able to teach because they've been teaching already. How do you know someone is hospitable? It's not that you say, ah, let's appoint him and say, let's see how it goes. No. Before they were ordained as overseers, they were already functioning in that capacity. That's why even when this says, look amongst you, men full of the Spirit. Same thing with Moses. Look amongst you. The church already knows that these are blameless people, husbands of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, hospitable people. Meaning they have already, it's not after you, they became pastors that they started welcoming. They, they were already generous people. We have already seen that these people can handle the word of God well enough to teach it. We know that they are not given to wine. They are not greedy people. They are gentle people. It's kind of like that thing, um, at least most corporate careers, that's how it works. Before you get promoted, you're already assigned like responsibilities or you're expected to already start functioning in the role that you wish to be promoted to. So that it's not when they promote you, they now start giving you the responsibility that comes with that role. For many, many organizations, in some f- shape or form, you're already handling those things such that when you actually, it's it's more of a reward for good work than you being ushered into new responsibility. I don't know if that makes sense. And so, and we're going to look at that in, uh, for instance, verse 13 of this chapter. When a person is, is made an overseer or a bishop, it's a testament to the fact that their lives already reflect this character. Of course, it now comes with that recognition and in many cases, more responsibility. But they were already functioning in that capacity such that no one should be surprised <laughs> if Timothy comes and says, oh, Daisy, let's choose you. No one should be surprised. Why? Because the church can testify. It's, it goes back to what I was saying about God does, in quotes, when people say God does not call the qualified, not... In the actual sense of calling, when they are to start the work, maybe in private, you've not done anything to prove yourself. But when you are put in that position, you have proven to to the church without reasonable doubt that this is something that my life can testify to. This is something that my life can testify to. Amen. Amen, amen. Um... <laughs> we'll pause here and then we would uh, I would I would answer the question and next week we would go on I think we've done enough introduction to go on with the rest of the chapter by God's grace so um, Tuyosi was asking is a bishop the same as a pastor uh, in essence yes the word bishop is the word episcope in the Greek and it just means an overseer it's not like bishop like we know today let's say in the anglican church or stuff like that it was just a title for someone who had oversight of the church of god and these were elders elders doesn't necessarily mean old people (laughs) but as we're going to read on in verse six many times they would be the older ones because they've spent more time in the faith it's just consequence right but timothy clearly could easily be a bishop because even if he's young, I'm going to talk about that next week in verse six, but I don't want to, but an elder, sorry, bishops, overseers were elders, right? Elders are simply leaders in the church responsible for oversight, for teaching and for building up the church in the will of God. Deacons is the word diakonos in the Greek and it means 
to serve. It's from the word anat, a server, a waiter, or a servant, a minister, right? And those were people that were more tasked with like the administrative, not necessarily spiritual oversight. So an easy way to think about this is Acts 6. The apostles were elders in the church. They wanted to focus on teaching, preaching, praying, and spiritual oversight. They didn't want to handle the administrative aspects of feeding and all that came with that. Said, let us appoint deacons, ministers or servants that would help with these, in quotes, non-seemingly, we've talked about this in the gifts of the Spirit, seemingly non-directly non-spiritual aspects. And so um many times, or if you if you think about this more, like uh, like you said, most churches don't have elders, not in the verbiage, not in the word elder, but they have elders, right? Ideally, if they have pastors, if they have leaders that are clearly responsible for the spiritual oversight of the church, those are elders. Those are elders. And then, in a sense, anyone <laughs> that helps with administration or helps with the other aspects, like what we call workers today, whether you're an usher, whether you're media you're technically a deacon right technically some churches elevate that a bit to still have deacons beyond just every worker but by strict definition a deacon is a recognized member of the church also holding some form of leadership that helps with administration that helps with administration um so basically, yes, many, if not pretty much every Bible-believing church today, the pastors are elders of church uh, by early church coinage, right? There was not a pastorate and an eldership. It was the elders are the leaders of the church. And then there were deacons that helped with running the administrative aspects of the church. Um, Oye, what's your question? Um, so, um... You know, we're talking about like, oh, before like God uses you and stuff, like you have to like make yourself available that to an extent you need to be doing something or something like that. But what about the early disciples? Like, did, did they even like have any kind of qualification in this sense? Like, I don't know if you understand my question. Like, they didn't have, they didn't really do anything, but Jesus still saw them and still called them. Yeah, so that's exactly what I said. That's in the sense of God calling you by putting a desire in you for a certain work, you've not done anything. Jeremiah, as I explained, Jeremiah hadn't done anything. Uh, Paul hadn't even, wasn't even a member, like he hadn't done, he hadn't spent day one as a Christian when God said he would be a minister to Gentiles, Jews, kings and kings. What I said is, for you to start to actively do what God has called you to do, there is qualification. And so we see the same thing in the in the um, in the disciples, right? It's not as though from the day God called God called them to be disciples. He didn't call them to lead. He called them to be disciples, to learn and to grow. And after three years of training and walking with God, He sent them to lead the church. Does that make sense? So even in that sense, it goes back to what I said. Judas was also called, but Judas did not give himself to training, and he was unfit to lead. And so even when the apostles were calling a replacement, they didn't just say anything. They said someone who was with us from the time of his baptism to the time of his ascension. Why? The person was there through the training. And so what I said is that in God's sovereignty and wisdom, so God called me, let's say God said, ah, you would be a teacher of God's word. I will use you to teach God's word. At the point God called me, I had not read any book. I hadn't learned anything. I was 
probably not even serious with my work with God. In that sense, God calls, God does not call the qualified. But what I said is when you see someone actively serving God in a certain capacity, the expectation is that they must have been trained to be qualified. God, so it's not when God put a desire in my heart to teach that I would have started teaching because I would have taught nonsense and I would put both myself and God in trouble. <laughs> Do you get my point? But when you see someone serving in a certain capacity, the expectation, at least scripturally, is that they have been trained and are qualified to do what God is asking them to do in that moment. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like God calls you even before you were qualified, but God expects that you respond by being trained, by being qualified enough to then do what he has called you to do. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? Yes, um, Anne, an overseer, a bishop, is an elder. Um, elders are pastors. Elders, <laughs> any, again, like I said, by strict verbiage, any spiritual leader in the church is an elder, right? Any spiritual leader in the church is an elder. Um, any leader in the church that is responsible for handling the more or the less, in quotes, spiritual aspects of running or, or taking care of the body of Christ is a deacon by strict verbiage. Now, some churches might, by definition, call both elders and deacons pastors. It doesn't like, but their roles are pretty clear. It's just the title is all pastor. It doesn't change what I'm trying to say. My point is, if you are someone that the church has decided or if the church decides to make people lead or make a person a spiritual leader these are the requirements for that all right any other questions all right um the kingdomula <laughs> i think we're good but we, i wanted us to end on good time today and next week we'll wrap up first timothy 3 so let us uh let us pray I, I i believe it's clear if you have any questions feel free to um reach out to me during the course of the week don't worry i won't be angry <laughs> i would answer your questions just let me know um what you are you're reaching out about if you want to be serious me and if you want to be added to the broadcast list such that you get the weekly reminder as well as the poster and the link to share with people um, um send me a message uh someone at this time will be a good time to put my number in the in the chat so you can send me a message that hi daniel i was at the meet teaching today i would like to be added to the broadcast list and i'll do so as soon as i can Good question. You said, would there be a replay? So everything we teach is recorded and is or it's uploaded pretty much that same day to wherever you listen to podcasts. So there's been two years plus worth of teaching on that podcast. So yes, you can always listen to that teaching. Uh, 
now yes ma i'm going to answer that question it's a very good question now would be a good time to also put the links for wherever like the podcast so you can listen to that also by the way if you've ever listened to the podcast i want to uh i want to ask of you to rate the podcast and if possible leave a comment so that it helps to get to more people um apparently that's super helpful and share with people if it has blessed you all right so the final question so your service to god must be only in the church not exactly no actually um your service to god will exist through the church but it doesn't always have to oh um okay i just got a broadcast to add i can't add you unless you text me because it's on whatsapp actually so i can't add you from the zoom so you have to send me a message um i'm sorry there's no better way oh there probably is a better way i could leave a google form but i apologize for my inefficiency <laughs> anyway um uh what was i saying yes it could be through the church um but it doesn't always have to be directed at the church and so evangelism is a huge part of your service to god and so let's say you head the evangelical drive of your church or various evangelical drives so let's say you had a prison ministry um it's you are a member of the church so the idea of course for you to serve god the expectation is that you are a member of a church you belong to a body from which you are serving and so whether it's prison ministry whether it's whether it's even hospitality like deacons were responsible for and in that sense i mean let's say giving the homeless food or a school fees ministry or stuff like that of course preference should be given to the members of the church before to the world but there are many programs that the church has to the world and people oversee that and so in that sense um no your service to god is not only directed at the church it's only directed at the church does that answer your question or is there something more specific so it, it doesn't mean that the only way to serve god is either if you are an elder or a deacon if that's what you are trying to ask in the sense in which is either i'm teaching the church of god or i am a no not necessarily but in that sense if you are put over a a spiritual work you are still an elder in the church so let's say children's ministry you are responsible for raising kids in the knowledge of god that's a spiritual work whether it's uh women's ministry oh we want you to be the head of this whether it's uh, you are a leader in that sense and there are requirements that come with it does evangelism have to be under a church or any ministry at all what kind of evangelism i'm not sure i understand the question Um, like evangelism, like preaching gospel, essentially, like you know the way some churches actually have like evangelism group, like mm. so they go out maybe days yeah. to evangelize on the streets. Yeah. So basically, that's what I mean by evangelism. It doesn't have to be under church. Any ministry, because you said that um, you said something about church and um, ministry, like yeah. if you're heading it, like you're under the church. So yes. Like, does it have to be under church? Can you and your friends? So. Just decide to study ministry, and yeah, you guys are in the church, but yeah. it's not necessary under the church. Basically. Okay, yeah. So that's what I meant. I think what is confusing us is the idea of 
church as a branded name registered with uh, legally and as a logo and a benediction that's not what i mean by the church of god for you i mean for you to be in any form of service to god you you are in community with believers that's a church right you have believers around you you are submitted to authority because you can't just be a floating believer just doing your own thing right you are in a church in that sense so even if it's you personally going out for evangelism that's totally fine but you are you belong to remember how we started today's teaching you belong to a body that god has placed people to head right that's the ideal status of every believer so whether it's you and your friends that do weekly evangelisms that's fine that's it's the church of you are the church you are the church so it's church reaching out to the lost you get my point even if it's that oh um and of course um let's say for instance you just have a heart for i don't know the homeless and you call a few people like a few other believers maybe even belonging to in quotes different churches you're still the, the church of god but belonging to different churches in that sense to run a ministry to take care of the homeless it is still a church work in the sense in which all of you are members of the church of christ does that make sense so when i said church i don't mean uh a and z christian global that it is everything we do is from it no 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 that's not what i'm saying i'm saying it's believers doing the work of ministry of course there should be accountability in that sense um like so your pastor is probably aware or a leader is aware but it doesn't mean that i'm not saying that the only way you can serve god is under the banner of a registered church name that's not what i'm saying all right but it is under the church because you are in the church i I hope that makes sense um yeah so any other questions any other questions any other questions any other questions seems like there are no other questions again like i said feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions and let's say you don't want to ask it here uh feel free to text me if you want to um if you want to be added to the broadcast list and feel free to catch up on any of the previous teachings wherever you listen to podcasts i will pray and wrap us up and we'll continue from verse four tomorrow we're going to um, next week we're going to wrap up qualifications for elders um we're going to talk about qualifications for deacons and then we're going to talk about the mystery of godliness <laughs> all right let's pray heavenly father thank you so much for today thank you for another amazing opportunity we get to learn and grow thank you for all you have reminded us and taught us through your word today and i just pray for every single one of us that you align our hearts with your spirit that we are able to discern what we ought to be doing in the body I pray that for every single one of us that you stir in us that desire to be relevant in your work, even in our in our time. I pray, Lord, that we, by your grace, we put in the work, we purge ourselves of uncleanliness, and we give ourselves wholly to your training, even as you make us fit for the work you've called us to. And I pray that as believers, our testimony would be one that would be blameless such that there would never be a reason that we are unfit for the work of ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, everyone, uh, for your time. 
as usual i appreciate it i would share the benediction and then we call it a day benediction so graciously prepared to us by bookie and i <laughs> i must never forget to say that <laughs> all right let me share my screen you're all welcome thank you so much um say hell daddy <laughs> let us unmute ourselves if you can and let's share the benediction together one two go I am, I am a diligent student of the word. I am a By the word, I am corrected. By the word, and in the word, my spirit Thank you all. Um, show love to your elders and pastors this week. That's action point. I will see you all next week. Have a great week.